Hello, everybody! What up, what up, what up? Deplorable! <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Generous and deplorable. I tried to cut it short this week so people wouldn't be as mad at us. But, as always, my name is Tim Daniel. His name is Ben Brown. And welcome to this week's edition of Late Night Reds here on the Riverfront Media Network. We're so excited. We're getting closer and closer and closer. And as you see today, we have an awesome guest, one of my favorite people in the world. I've gotten the brush shoulders with over the past couple of years. Uh, you can check him out with the Associated Press, Jeff Walner. How are you, man? It's so good to have you here with us. I am good. I uh, appreciate the invite, Tim, and any t- and Ben, and anytime I get a chance to uh, spend uh, some time talking baseball, I'm, I'm all in. So, yeah, that's right. Because you actually have, I don't want to like bury your, uh, like to talk too much about your, your hobbies and stuff by any means and, uh, you know, make people come after you by the stretch of the matter, but a very impressive collection of top baseball cards. I, I did. I actually did have an interesting story Um, after years of talking to um, the folks at at Sports Investments in Montgomery um, and them calling me and asking, are you ready to sell yet? (laughs) Um, I actually pulled the trigger on that a couple of months ago and I sold my collection to Sports Investments. I, I don't have seller's remorse. I, I knew I would there for, for a while, um, but I've, I've had the collection for quite a few years uh, and I finally finally sold them. I had tobacco cards. Um, I had um, a pretty extensive um, collection of baseball cards. Um, I miss them, <laughs> but they're in good hands at sports investments. So. I'm sure if you just walk over, they're probably there saying, like, <laughs> right. hey, you remember well, me? They'll, they'll let me visit them, right? Yeah, it's They're like your kids leave for college. A, yeah, yeah, you know, some of the autographs will be at consignment. Show up at a church festival uh, near you this summer. and They'll probably, <laughs> they'll probably be hanging up, you know, at the uh, silent auction. <laughs> Absolutely. So I told you before we got on air that I had a message I had to deliver to you, Jeff, from um, our leader here at the Riverfront, Chad Dotson. Um, you guys may have heard of him. Uh, and I told him that I was having you on the show uh, because I've been friends with Jeff for a little while now. Funny story about that here in a second. And I said, hey, Jeff Walner from AP is joining me Sunday. Good friend of mine has been covering the Reds for a while. We're going to talk shop. Chad's response is, tell him I said he needs to stop being an Everton soccer fan and he needs to join me at Tottenham. <laughs> uh, no chance of that at this point. <laughs> Um, I am too deeply, deeply rooted and deeply involved in Everton Football Club, probably more so than I ever could have imagined. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm too, I'm too far gone at this point. Um, as much as I'd, I'd like to maybe consider my options um, some weeks, um, but uh, yeah, I appreciate that from uh, from Chad. I know he's a he's a massive Spurs fan. We played them to a a, a great two uh, two draw uh, this weekend, so. We shared the points, shook hands, went to the pub, and everything was good. So, yeah, I could see Chad really enjoying pubs. <laughs> um, so I did want to tell the story. <laughs> Say the least. <laughs> um, so I met Jeff. We've, we've covered Xavier basketball together for a few years now, and I know who Jeff was for a long time, just from reading his stuff and him covering the Reds forever. 
And so when I saw one day, like you like go in there, you see where your name is and you find who you're sitting next. I said, said Jeff Walner. I was really excited. And yeah. I went to him, Ben, and I made the mistake of, oh, hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm Tim Daniel. I've been reading your stuff since I was a kid. Young. <laughs> <laughs> and if I wasn't so used to those types of comments, I probably would have been offended. But it's, yeah, no, no, that's that's all all good. Just means I've been around for a long time. And I guess that's a good that's a good thing. So absolutely Body work. Body so for, work. Those, for those who don't know how you've covered the Reds since, again, not to put words in your mouth, 90, the 99 team, right? 1999 was my first season. Um, I started uh, as a professional writer in 1994, uh, doing work for the Chicago Cubs, um, which was kind of a dream come true because that's my childhood team. So hopefully that doesn't make anyone mad on here. But um, and then I got the opportunity with a free uh, weekly newspaper in Cincinnati. I got the opportunity to start covering the Reds in 1999. Um, excellent timing, of course, because an, an amazing team, an amazing season. Um, that unfortunately didn't end with a championship, but uh, that group of guys was fantastic, and I'll never forget them. That team will always hold a special place in my heart. So, um, 30 years later, I, I'm still I'm still doing it. So I feel really fortunate for that. But yeah, '99 was my was my first season. Yeah, because I think um, I remember that because you talked about the '99 team. We've talked about this a million times, mm -hmm. and I'll never I'll never get tired of talking about that team ever. <laughs> Um, but that was, you know, the team that were, I was a fan. I was really into baseball as a kid, but that was the team that like sucked me in. That was a team that was like, made me like a, what I am now, as far as a Reds fan to the point where I'm doing a show every week on them. <laughs> and so just kind of having that experience and you mentioned, uh, the, the, those guys on that team. So we have another show on this channel now called Red Lake Roundtable with Seth Shaner. And he just had Eddie Thompson on there and they had a lot mm -hmm. of awesome conversations about the 99 team. Yeah, Eddie was Eddie was one of the favorites uh, of mine, um, one of several on that team. But uh, he and his wife uh, Renee, I got to know them very well. Still keep in touch a little on social media with them. Um, it, it was just it was a special group, and and I've made um, some comparisons between this Reds team currently and and the '99 team, and a lot of other people have for the obvious reasons: young, energetic team. Um, great group of guys who get together or get along very well together, play well together. Um, but yeah, Eddie was uh, Eddie was certainly one of uh, my favorites on that team. I think uh, when I look back at that team, and again, we'll we'll have we'll probably do like thirty podcasts about the '99 Reds. It's one of these days. It's just <laughs> inevitable. Yeah. Um, that team was just so fun, and we talked about just they were a team that was never out of it. I remember many of times whenever they go in the ninth inning, it'd be like nine to four, and they'd like if they lost, it was like nine to seven or nine to eight kind of things. My ring light just randomly like got super bright. Forgive me for a second. I did not control that. Um, but the, you know, Greg, Greg Vaughn was on that team and obviously, and he was so great. I remember he was on Jim day's pod uh, a couple years ago and he was like, I loved Cincinnati. I really liked being on that team. He's like, but like, look, I got the best player in the world. I got it. I understood. Mm -hmm. He's like, but I would have loved to have played there forever. And he still is like within the community. Sometimes he still does Reds Fest here and there. So it's mm -hmm. kind of cool that even though he was only here for a year, he might be one of the most beloved one year Reds, probably him and Shinsu Chu. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Greg, Greg Vaughn. Um, I, I always, I always say 
I, I had I had such a great relationship with so many of the guys on that team that year because they it, they treated me like I had been around forever, and mm-hmm. I was this rookie reporter who barely knew his way around uh, the ballpark and was still learning clubhouse etiquette, still learning how to to do a good interview and ask the right questions. And um, but they were all great to me. But I always say that uh, uh, Greg Vaughn scared the crap out of me. I bet. <laughs> there wasn't, there probably wasn't a guy on that team that I wasn't comfortable approaching for an interview. Um, Pokey, Sean Casey, Aaron Boone, Danny Graves, and I mean, on and on, these guys were great. And Vaughn was great as well, but he had, he had a presence about him and he had an expression about him. He was, he was a, a much more serious guy. He was a veteran player. He was a leader in the clubhouse. And so when you approached him, those first few words out of your mouth to ask a question, um, he would just kind of look at you. <laughs> and you it was very it was it was extremely intimidating. Um, but but yeah, great, great guy, and obviously was a key member of that team. But I always laugh when people bring up Greg Vaughn because I think as a young reporter, yeah, it was a it was a fright it was a frightening thing to go up. Excuse me, Mr. Vaughn, do you have a second? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was a nice dude, but he I mean, if I remember correctly, he had a pretty menacing like he had that goatee, that menacing face. Like yeah, it, he would definitely be intimidating for sure if you're a young reporter. <laughs> didn't he actually yeah. break? Didn't he break the Reds' facial hair rules? Wasn't he the one that like a lot like they made they allowed facial hair because of him? I, I I believe so. Yeah, I, I don't know that for certain, but yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, well, Jeff, throughout the night, throughout the episode, I'm sure I'm going to ask you a lot of questions through your time covering the Reds, um, since different moments and things like that. But we do actually still have to talk about the current team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I brought this out because I want to talk about this. So there's an article today I saw on the Sports Illustrated website. Since you know, it's not a thing anymore. Yeah. And, that was a very somber, very somber yeah, episode. That was yeah. a very somber episode. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we just For talked sure. about that. Um, but then I saw the author, and uh, it's um, our good friend Jeff Carr from Locked on Reds. I forgot he's writing for the Reds uh, SI mm-hmm. site. And he went and said, and essential favorites, since they Reds are poised to win the division in 2024. And I, was, I put this on the thing before I saw Jeff wrote the article. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, we were recently told in a comment that Locked on Reds is superior to us anyway. So I guess I'll go ahead and give them their pub. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what Jeff goes on to say in there is that with the Corbin Burns trade this week, which I do want to touch on the Corbin Burns trade a little separate, like just Mm -hmm. kind of get that discussion, um, is that this opens the door for the Reds to take full advantage of the NL Central. Uh, He goes on to mention that, yes, the the Cardinals did bring in uh, Sonny Gray, but everything else they brought in is kind of aging guys. So he discusses the fact that the Reds actually brought on five actual major league players instead of what we've seen in years past, where it's like, who are these random guys in this revolving carousel of the bullpen? Uh, certainly not a carousel of progress in that circumstance, but we're finally on that road. And kind of talks about that Milwaukee's, the guys Milwaukee has left uh, are all aging. Uh, Brandon Woodruff obviously not pitching this year. The Cubs don't know. It, sound, it looks, I would guess they're going to get Cody Bellinger back, but. Nothing yeah. set in stone there, and all the guys they haven't brought in. And then the Pirates, all they did was improve their bullpen. And after Mitch Keller, their rotation is still a mess. So, Jeff, um, I ask you this. 
when you look at this team being around this team, like you said, you, you have a lot of excitement when you watch, when you see this young core group of guys, where do you sit on that thought process? Do you feel like this is a team just waiting to take the NL central? I'm not a big, I'm not a big predictions guy, but I, I will say that um, I, I'm really looking forward to watching this division. And the, the reason is because you've got, you've got teams with a lot of youth, you've got teams with a lot of depth, and you don't have those massive stars. The, the big money contracts we, we talked about all winter, they didn't go to the central. Um, we don't have, we don't have Shohei Otani. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of teams top to bottom. I mean, you look at the, let's not discount the pirates <laughs> entirely. You look at how they started the season last year. Uh, you knew that they would probably level off and, and they did. Um, Milwaukee, um, sure, Craig Council bolted to the Cubs. They made the trade with Corbin Burns, but they still have Freddie Peralta. They also got a decent haul, haul, but they got DJ Hall in exchange <laughs> for Corbin Burns. The Cubs probably are going to go out and get, um, maybe bring Bellinger back. Um, they've got counsel at the helm. They've got the deep pockets. The Cardinals have have some good young players. This this division is is very wide open, and if you're asking me, are the Reds capable of contending for the title in this this division? Of, of course, certainly. Um, I like the Reds' depth. I like what they've done this offseason. I think they made smart decisions with the $108 million that they spent, um, and they're every bit as good as the other teams in this division. There's still some moves that I think are going to be made. I don't know what those will be. Um, like I said, the Cubs, the Cubs have the have the deep pockets. You don't know what the Brewers are going to continue to do. You don't know if the Reds are going to to make another move. Um, but uh, but yeah, right now there's no question the, the Reds are division contenders. So are they capable of winning the title? Sure. So I wouldn't discount his prediction. Certainly. Ben, what are your kind of your your thoughts on that? I know Jeff's a friend of the show, but <laughs> no, no, yeah, absolutely. We'll give his flowers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I agree. Um, I, I think that um, it's kind of like the AFC North in football. Like, I think that all the teams in this division are competitive. Um, all the teams in this division have made moves to be able to uh, win the Central. And I think that they all um, have have another move in their pocket. I do. I really do think that they all have at least one more move to try to solidify them being contenders. So, Jeff, I think you hit it spot on. I think that there are um, a lot of different things that these teams can do. Um, and, and just because the Brewers are moving backwards, they still do have decent players on that team. Now, albeit they're aging, older guys, but they do have still have um, – and they also have winning pedigree. I mean, those guys have – won games they've won the central i mean some of those guys have have, have won playoff series so um yeah i think that this uh, nl central is going to be i think it'll be a really good race uh, and i think that all the teams have made themselves solid to be able to win it yeah i agree i really like so one of the things milwaukee did that i wish the reds would do uh, they locked up Jackson Churio long term before he even played a, had a major league at bat because they were so confident in him. I I like when teams do that. You've seen the Braves have success with that. It can definitely go either way. I understand that it's definitely a risk. Um, but I thought mm -hmm. that that was kind of something where I really appreciated that they kind of got that route because they counted on him. Uh, you did mention yes, those guys are aging. Christian Yelich is still dangerous. 
Um, so that Brewers outfield is still very solid. Mm-hmm. Every team still has their strengths. I mean, Justin Steele still pitches for the Cubs and he's still really, really good. But I think that, like you guys said, to kind of just piggyback a little bit more, it does feel like I don't trust the Pirates to be competitive with these other teams. Could I see them maybe winning a four or five game win streak here and there? Sure. But I look at their lineup and I love Henry Davis's prospects. I just don't see where he, you know, is getting nine hits every game by himself to get them runs. And that's the kind of where I pulled them back. But everyone else, I mean, St. Louis still has the corner infielders who are really good. I know Tyler O'Neill's not there anymore, um, but you can kind of count on them. So it's going to be really dynamic. Like I said, I also don't discount Jeff's Jeff's article. Um, I got to get used to Jeff, Jeff, not on the show and Jeff on the show today, just to make sure we know who we're talking about. But um <laughs> Yeah, I think that it's going to be really dynamic. I think you mentioned the Cubs. I don't think they're done. I don't, you know, I, I really think that they probably have another piece or two up their hands. Also, is Blake Snell going to sign anywhere? Is this going to happen? He won the Cy Young and he's still a free agent and spring training's in two weeks. So can we? Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I mean, that's a crazy mm-hmm. thing to think about. I mean, the guy won the yeah. Cy Young and he still is not signed anywhere. Like that's, that's crazy. It's almost unheard of. Like I, like, when was the last time a guy has won like the Cy Young or the MVP award or something like that and not been signed and just got this late into free agency? I remember a couple of years ago when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, he signed late and he had already been announced to be on the cover of MLB the show without signing for the team. So MLB, so Sony, so San Diego studios is also waiting to see who he's signing with to put the cover together. And that yeah. was kind of, that was kind of crazy, but not, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that wasn't like an MVP year Fizz, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's unusual. We'll yeah, we'll see. Um I mean who has spots open in their uh in their rotation. Um Yeah. I, don't know. I was gonna say I I would have assumed that he'd want to pitch for a contender. So I mean who has mm-hmm. spots available in that rotation who's gonna be playing for a World Series or at least attempting to play for a World Series. Yeah. yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Robert brought up Seattle for him. I would like that. I think that'd be a good fit for him. That ballpark. He's, you know, he's talented enough. That'd be kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get to this real quick. So we did mention it a second ago. Uh, Milwaukee does trade Corbin Burns to the Orioles this week. Kind of shocks people. Um, I really am appreciative that they did this because that means that when the Brewers come to town, Corbin Burns doesn't have to have a seven inning one run outing on us anymore. Um, that's appreciative, but mm-hmm. still kind of a surprising move. Another kind of this late in the year. I mean, I love that Baltimore team. I think with their, all the moves they've made mm-hmm. these last few years have been incredible and kind of a team. The Reds can kind of model themselves after, right? Like what Baltimore did the year before last year, Cincinnati kind of looks like they're on the verge of doing the same thing. Um, but this is kind of, I, you know, you had heard the rumblings a little bit, but were you guys kind of shocked when you saw this come across your phone the other day? I was surprised. Um, I'm curious what the reaction has been in Milwaukee. I haven't, I haven't perused any of the, uh, the stories from the local guys up there, but um, yeah, surprising. Um, uh, Hall, they got a good, they got a good pitcher in return. Um, I didn't really dig deep into, uh, you know, the other um, guys that they got, but yeah, um, but yeah, that's a that's that's an ace. That's that's an ace mm-hmm. starter. Yeah. Um, 
it makes you think that this is not a this is a move that's part of a grander plan. Typically, mm-hmm. you, you, this isn't a one-off. You, mm-hmm. you don't trade you don't trade Corbin Burns without have without knowing what your next right you know your second, third, and fourth move is. Um, so it'll be it'll yeah. be interesting to see where they go from here, basically. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that they've got a master plan in mind, and part of that was just moving moving him uh, and then getting pieces to that master plan. So, yeah, I, I think that they've got something uh, in play in, in their thought process um, in order to build that roster back up. Like we'd already talked about, you know, they've got Asian guys that are that they're trying to rebuild that roster around, but not do a complete overhaul. But when you move a piece like that, you've got to have some other plans in place to think that something else is going to happen. I feel like Milwaukee is baseball's Indiana Pacers where they'll, 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 they'll let guys move on and they might have like a down season, but they're never down long. There's never like a Mm -hmm. drought. There's never like a five, six year losing season drought. It's always like, all right, well, this year wasn't our year. We were 76 and 86. And then the next year they're contending for a wild card. And the next year they were. Right. It's like every single time. And like, that's what the Pacers do. It's like, well, you know, things didn't work out with Paul George. So we'll, let's get, let's do this. And then now they're really good again. I know, yep. as you know, Ben, I know. But Absolutely. you also feel like you also feel like they're a team that has missed their window or they're real yeah. close to missing their window. You know, you, you built, you're built for, you're built for a championship and you continually get yourself in position for that. And then you fall short and then you've got tough decisions to make with your players as they're getting older and those contracts come Mm -hmm. up and you feel like they're at kind of the end of their window. Whereas the other teams in the division, I feel like are just starting one. Yeah. So I agree. And then there's the pirates. And then there's the pirates. <laughs> see, see, you like how I you like how I did I did like throw them just a little glimmer of you did. in my, you did. my opening response. I made sure that I, I just threw them in. Look, the, the pirates. <laughs> but yeah. They, but let's they, face it, it's a it's a yeah. It's a it's a yeah. Four we kind of talked about this last week. Kind of your thoughts, curious, especially because you consider you covered him for six years or so. So you're starting to see this thing. So they signed a role as Chapman. And mm-hmm. I was kind of in the group that, I mean, I shouldn't say kind. I was very much in the group that was kind of hoping the Reds would bring him back. I do think they got a better pitcher in Brent Suter. So I'm not disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're seeing this weird thing with him now. And I understand he's not. Cincinnati role is Chapman anymore. So I'm not trying to discredit, trying to say like, trying to make him better than he is at this circumstance. But we've seen this two years now where he's signed with these teams that, you know, Kansas city and Pittsburgh, where um, it's kind of like a thing where it's like, find your, a little bit of your old self so we can flip you in a trade and send you somewhere else. And obviously last year he goes to Texas. He's part of a team that wins the world series. Two time world series champion role to Chapman, by the way, is a sentence I never thought mm-hmm. I'd say mm-hmm. if it didn't involve the right. Cincinnati Reds. Um, but are you kind of surprised at this point that this is where he is, what he's at now? So he's going to be pitching for the pirates this year as kind of a thing where it's like, hopefully I'm good enough. Come July, I can get traded to a team that's going to fight in the race. Surprised at his age and this point in his career that he's at not in a better situation or 
Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised he's still out there. You know, he's still out there chucking it. Still throwing, <laughs> yeah, hitting triple digits, yeah. You know, that he's still, yeah, that he's still uh, tipping the radar gun. But he, yeah, I mean, good for him. And, but I'm sure he's looking for another opportunity to, to win. You get, a, you get a taste of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you experience a World Series title. You're, you're going to look for that again. And you're not going to be content with pitching for a team that's in the, the bottom of its division. Um, yeah. But uh, in, as far as the Reds, I don't think he makes, I don't think he makes any constructive sense for the Reds to, to bring him back. I, I don't, um, you know, Brent Suter is a much, that's a much smarter for, for so many reasons. It's a much smarter yeah. acquisition yeah. because of how he fit, how he fits into the bullpen puzzle. Um, yeah, I love I love that, and it has nothing to do with him being a local guy. But I know you're asking about Aroldis Chapman, and I'm about to go on a tangent about Brett. Sooner. No, please. Um, <laughs> but I <All> love <laughs> even if he wasn't, and I know it's it's kind of the way we do things in Cincinnati. We're we're always enamored guys that are from here, guys that went to high school here. Oh, we gotta bring gotta bring them back. Yeah. Right? But Bailey. what's but what Suter brings is a totally different look to the bullpen. He's not a high strikeout guy. He's a, he's a low velocity guy. He's all about deception. He, he's a, he's a, he's a crafty, you know, pitcher, not to use an, an overused baseball term, but um, how he fits into this. Can you imagine, you know, you face Hunter green a couple times through and then in comes <laughs> suitor and you're like, you know, you're falling over yourself trying to, mm-hmm. you know, not be out ahead of it. But it's that's that's a great acquisition, I think, and, and yeah. it has nothing to do with the fact that he's local and that he went to Mueller. It's just a it's just a very smart, very smart move on the Reds' behalf, I think. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, I was knew he was pretty good from his time pitching against the Reds, um, but it was when it was last year that really impressed me the most when he was in Colorado. And he pitched a whole season in Coors and did not give up a single home run at Coors. None. Yeah. Zero. That's, that's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he gave up like two on the road. Like he's not. So coming right. here, obviously everyone's got, you know, I'm sure that'll fluctuate a little bit more just because of the ballpark. He's been pitching most of his games mm-hmm. in. Um, I don't suspect he'll go next year with only giving up two home runs, but I still think he's going to be very, very good. Like you said, a really good ground ball pitcher, which is just what this bullpen needs. You mentioned, imagine facing Hunter Green two a couple times around the lineup. Imagine Brent Suter comes in from that, and then Alexis Diaz comes in the ninth right after him. Like mm-hmm. that is kind of like that fluctuation thing. So I yeah, I love the signing. I think it might actually be my favorite one of the offseason. It's super sneaky, dude. Like it is it's a super yeah. sneaky signing. Like it mm-hmm. like like it it didn't seem it's not a, the big sexy one that everybody else was looking for, but dude. That guy's so crafty. He he does such a good job of getting outs and ground ball outs and getting big outs and innings. Like, right. like it was a super sneaky pick. Super I sneaky think all pick. the guys they brought in are good. Like Candelario, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put him right there with with Suter, but Nick Martinez. Um, yeah. They 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 spent they spent very very smartly. I think so. All of a sudden, they have depth pitching depth. Mm-hmm. You know, spring training is going to be really interesting this year. Because he's 
David's going to be mixing and matching in the infield, the outfield. There are going to be guys battling for bullpen spots, rotation spots, you know, guys coming back from injury. It's, it's, this might be just go looking ahead. This might be the most compelling spring trade, typically spring trainings, you know, yeah. who, you know, there, there's a lot to watch in this spring training this year. There's a lot to watch. Mm-hmm. I ask you this as someone who was at the ballpark a lot last year. I was there in the stands, obviously, um, having one too many um, blue moons. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But you, you being in the you being in the media section and hanging out there, so being there consistently a part of your job. The excitement, obviously, in the ballpark, you could obviously tell, and it wasn't just because you know, obviously, the winning certainly was the reason, but just that like energy when you'd walk there every night and get in there what was it like for you guys in the media room so you charlie trent just kind of going there every day and just being like this is freaking i bet there was like there had to be some sort of like especially once ellie comes up there had to be some sort of like super excitement like i know you love going to your job every day because you're covering sports but something just had to be a little different during that right yeah and i've 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 had the just working for not just the ap but when i all those years i worked for reuters and working for a wire service you're when you cover a game you're covering both teams so i've i have the perspective of all of the all of the visiting teams as well as the reds teams over the past you know couple of decades and young teams are always the best teams to be around in in winning just kind of magnifies that but when you have young teams, there's always excitement. There's personality. Um, they're eager. They're eager to come to work. They're, they're even mostly eager to talk to us, which is you know a crazy thing. Um, <laughs> the, the further they get in their career, the more tired of us they get. Um, but so you had that combination of you have a young group of players, but also guys that have really good personalities. I mean, I'll go down the list in in back to kind of the comparisons to 99 it just feels it feels very similar um but yeah a lot of energy and then when you have somebody like ellie come up and that kind of elevates the whole group um yeah it's uh it's it's definitely a fun group of guys to be around um great to work with great to great to talk to um and and there is a little bit of you, you you sense a little bit of a buzz about it when you have a young team that's that's being successful, um, but I will say that before they brought up the full crop of players, even last year when they or the year before when they they got off to that that horrendous start, um, I was impressed with the way like that group of players, and it's a credit to David Bell as well they didn't impl- they didn't implode kept waiting for the whole thing to just completely fall apart and they didn't and they ended up playing pr- pretty good baseball for a c- extended yeah. stretch of that season mm-hmm. and and then i think at the very end i think it's just injuries and everything kind of caught up and they they kind of they start they finished almost as poorly as they started but in the middle they played really good baseball you felt like the team was coming together and that was before they opened the floodgates and all these guys came up the following year, but you felt like that culture that David Bell and the players that were here started to build carried over into the next season and then just continued to get better and better as these guys started to come up. Um, 
they've done real well evaluating people. Obviously, talent's the biggest thing, but I think there is something to um, clubhouse chemistry, just talking to players and managers over the years. There is something that about that where you get the right mesh of guys, and I think the Reds have that now. But, of course, when you're winning, everything everything's right. great. But I feel like this group, even when they were hitting those ebbs and flows, even when they were going through a tough stretch, and if you remember last year, every time it seemed like, okay, here we go, they, they lose two or three in a row, here we go, boom, they come back and they win, you know, they, they win the next six. Yeah. And, and then they'd lose three or four in a row, here we go, and then they'd come back and they'd win. It was, and even after the the twelve game winning winning streak, they lost. I think four straight after that. I may have my numbers wrong. And you thought, okay, back to earth. This whole this thing's going to kind of crash hard at this. Nope. You know, they just picked it right up and got back on a back on a streak. So, really, really good chemistry with this club and really good personalities in the clubhouse. So, so yeah, it's it's been uh, it, it's been a fun group to be around yeah because you mentioned that and i think that's a really good point because even if you look at like 2012 um there's obviously a lot of rumblings of a lot some guys weren't very liked on the team <clears throat> matt latos i'm sorry um work that was one that people kind of brought out quite a bit i'm not asking you to comment on that don't worry jeff um <laughs> but it seemed like you know you heard like a lot of like yeah this, we liked when that guy towed the rubber for us but it wasn't someone we went out with on the road or anything um, and uh, I think that kind of is a really good point because that team was near perfect at times and still had kind of had those moments And this team. It seems like everyone's just kind of in the thought process of, um, we're all going to be fine. We're all going to be like, we're going to be good. We're going to learn this together. And I think that's cool too. I think one of the things that we've talked about a little bit throughout this, uh, throughout this off season, because, you know, we're just as a Reds podcast, we're just dying to find things to talk about at this point with this close to spring training is, um, I think that one of the cool things this team has is it's the first time for like McLean and Ellie that they can have a spring training. They can have an off season at, to be prepared or trained for as a big leaguer. And what I mean by that is Ellie and Matt McLean are obviously always knew that they were going to be in the major leagues. So they were kind of prepping for that, but they saw what being in the big leagues was like last year and how to carry that to this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to pay so many dividends for them moving forward. Um, I know this is our next segment that I wanted to bring up, but I wanted to kind of get a laugh out of this. So Joey put up a video on his Instagram the other day. I don't know if you guys saw it where he was training and he was in the, it was in the cage. And he was like, talk, he was like talking to you about what he does when he trains and stuff. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Cause you know, I can listen to Joey Votto talk hitting all day. Know, any, all day. Yep. And inside the comments were like, we're this team. And you've heard that when it, like everything happened with this contract that, some of the guys were like, we still want him back. Um, but I was cracking up because Spencer Steer pops in there and he's like, Joey, your arms are looking a little small there, bud. And like, <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was a good kick. Uh, but speaking of Joey Votto at Instagram, were you guys following the mascot hunt yesterday? Yes. <laughs> I did see the mascot hunt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fantastic. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was just talking to uh, – um, my wife about this the other day because she said, you think he's gonna like you think he's gonna sign with anyone I, I think actually our son I think might have seen the TikTok video of the mascots or whatever um and 
the weird thing is I, you know, he's, he loves to travel. He's, he's a really kind of interesting guy. He's got a lot of interests. He's got a lot of things he likes to do. There he is at the NHL all-star game. He's with the mascots. And part of me wonders, like, why does he want to come back to um, the, the six month grind which is an eight-month grind if you include spring training and the, if you're on a team that goes to the postseason. I know he still loves it. I know he still feels like he can play at 40, and and I don't doubt that he can. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of I, I kind of thought this is a guy who's going to ride off into the sunset, retire as a red, and he's going to show up on Instagram and TikTok traveling the world and getting involved in all sorts of things and become kind of a social media celebrity, but live his best life, you know, live his best life. But obviously he wants to come back and we'll see where he lands. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I saw yeah, that and I was like, I you guys having such a good time. Like, why, why do you want to, you know, be back playing baseball? But you know, you know. Yeah. I, I thought that too. Like, cause you know, the, it, he's got all the money you could ever need, um, you know, and he travels, he likes to do all these weird things, but I, I, it's just weird. I think the competitor in him, I think that's part of it. He just didn't want to go out that way, even though he may, I mean, he may not get signed. He may have to go out that way. I think that's just when you're, when you've competed for that long and play at that high level, I think he wants to go out on his own shield and this, with, with, I mean, not that the Reds did anything wrong. I don't. I mean, it is what it is. But he wasn't. I don't still think he was not healthy to the last day. I still don't think he was healthy. So I think he wants to show himself more than anything, probably that he could, he can still play this game at a high level and, and do the things that he needs to do. But I do think that Jeff. I thought it was cool, like him, you know, showing up with mascots and he plays chess. He, you know, he does all kinds of different things and. Why not just walk away with your two hundred and sixty something million or whatever you made over your lifetime and ride off into the sunset? But I think the competitor to him is like, man, I still got, I got one more in me. <laughs> yeah, I think also he, his his mind, the way that he he preoccupies himself with every aspect and detail of mm-hmm. playing baseball and hitting yep. a baseball. Um, that I do think that it will be when that time comes for him to retire, it's going to be a big adjustment for him to mentally to, to not have that every day thinking about hitting every day, analyzing what, what he's doing, you know, every day watching the video, every day being in the cage, mm-hmm. it, it, beyond the, the normal player, no matter how great they are, um, there are some there are some Hall of Fame, some of the greatest ever that didn't come close to to the time and and energy and and mental just preoccupation with being successful in this game that Joey Votto has. It's yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a big part of it is that that's going to be that will be a big adjustment for him. Yeah, I think that that part of it he'll struggle with a lot. Um, and I think that he'll have to find other ways to challenge himself. 
um, just because he'll be, like you said, he'll be so used to, he's so used to doing that every off season and every year when it's not there anymore, then it's like, what is, what does he do? Man. Still hang in the studio. He's not going down. Anytime <laughs> <soon>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually come to think of it. I, I do, I'm curious to ask you this, Jeff, just from your time covering him. So you mentioned the social media superstar that he kind of has become these last few years, but you also knew him when he was, well, you were covering him, I should say, when he was not as outspoken and was kind of shy and was kind of still coming out of his shell. Does a lot of this shock you? Was there stuff that you kind of saw like glimpses of when, in, you know, his pre-MVP year? Or? I think it, at some point, and I don't know, that there are guys on the on the beat, because um, keep, keep in mind, obviously, I'm not a, not a beat writer. So right. I'm not. You know, and I cover both teams when, you know, there's a series in town. And so I'm dealing with players on both sides. And But from my interactions with him, um, at some point there was a big shift in he, he kind of came out of his shell. And, um, and I, other guys might, Trent, I'm, I'm sure, probably yeah. has a, a strong insight into kind of what might have contributed to that. Um, for a long time, uh, I'll be very honest. I didn't, I didn't want to ask Joey Votto a question unless I had to, because you would ask him a question and then he would ask you to restate the question. And then he would ask you to explain, <clears throat> he would divide the question up into three parts and ask you to analyze all three parts. And it became so, I was like, I, like don't, I don't have the, just give me. It's like I got to the point where okay, now I just want a cliche. Now I just yeah. want a cliche. Just just tell yeah. me you want to play every you know play every game one at a time. Just just let me. I I have a deadline. I need a quote. <laughs> That's all. That's all I mean. It became. It was painful. It was painful. Um, but uh, but I, I didn't you know deal with him every day like the beat writers. So I didn't have that same relationship. But yeah, it was difficult. But then. Like you said, over the last few years, um, not just on social media, but with teammates in the clubhouse, um, I think being around a young team like this, and he hasn't been in this situation in his career where you've had this to this extent, young a, a clubhouse of these young guys, hmm. I think he really enjoyed that. And he said it. I think he yeah. enjoyed being a big brother. He enjoyed being a father figure. Um, he he really loved these last two years with the Reds because of all those young guys. I think that might contribute to to kind of his shifts um, in uh, you know his his outgoingness and and everything. Um, but uh, but I, I know he he loved being around these young players, and I they're. They're gonna miss him, as you said. They're they're you know popping into his, uh, you know, into his social media uh, and still joking around with him. But that's that's the relationship he had with all those guys. Yeah, it's so funny you talked about just one of the cliche, just because I've obviously you and I have been in media rooms together. And do you remember this year when we had to, we had to interview Kevin Sampson after the Houston Xavier game, and every question, every answer was six minutes long. Yes, <laughs> we got great stuff. We're not complaining. Yeah. But it was like it's, it was those kind of those things. Where it was like, can you just say you guys rebounded really well, yeah. and we can get to the next question at some point? And, like, and I have I have my recorder on, so I'm recording <laughs> everything he's saying just in case I don't miss something that is you know right. worthy and usable. 
Uh, but at the same time, I'm typing in the quotes into my life and I'm just taking out sections of what he's saying. I'm like, all right, I can use that <laughs> sentence, yeah. you know, and I'm just like dropping in sentences into my game story. Samson said, you know, and then I'm recording the rest in case, well, maybe there is something, you know, yeah, yeah he's, he could fill up a recorder. Yeah, he probably could. He probably is willing to as well. <laughs> uh, right. So I want to touch on this real quick. We've kind of been doing something through the offseason. We've been talking about different guys and looking at their fan graph projections. And so, Ben, everyone we've looked at so far, fan graphs has been like, yeah, you're going to see them improve. You're going to see them get better. You're going to see this. Yeah. Today, when I looked up this player, it was the opposite of what we've seen all offseason. Yeah. And fan graphs is predicting a nice little drop off for one Will Benson. So for those who obviously know last year, Will Benson, uh, 275, 365, 498 slugging. Uh, Fangraphs is looking at this year as a potential 226, 339, 412 for him. Um, it seems like in a roundabout way. And again, projections are projections are projections. So we know this is not gospel. Um, but I think this is kind of one of the interesting ones because it's the first time we've seen this this offseason where it's a guy that they're not the projections aren't as high on. Mm-hmm. I love this kid. I think we've talked about that a million times. Uh, the home run against the Dodgers is one of my favorite moments of the year. And I think the athleticism is impressive. The way that he worked from getting sh- uh, sent down and coming back up and kind of making himself a true major leaguer was impressive. But I think when we look at all these guys and we are excited about them and we should be as fans, the just the, the chance that they all pan out to be what we think they are is really unlikely, right? So one of these guys does have to drop off. And maybe I'm not trying to downgrade him because I do love him. I want him to be really successful and be a really good player, but I'm not shocked by this projection. If, if again, not just keep going back to, I've been around a long time (laughs) around this game. And if you ask me, will this insert young player have a drop off next year after having a great first or second year? Uh, my answer is going to be yes, no matter who the player is, because this game is unforgiving and those those adjustments yeah. are tough. And mm-hmm. the amount of data that's out there right now, the scouts are so far, the advanced scouts are so far ahead of 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 any player. So if you ask me, will will Benson have a drop off? My answer is probably going to be yes, but I'll give you one reason why. Well, there are a few reasons. One, I think he's I think he's a great kid. I think he's a smart player. Um, and I think he's got a ton of ability. Um, but there one if I give you one reason why I think he won't have a drop off next year, it is I keep going back to last year, there were two or three instances where he here's a young guy who's got power, who's hit some big home runs, right? And it's easy for a young player to get kind of in their head. That's that's who I am. That's how I'm approaching my at-bat. I'm looking for something I can drive, right? And that's your mindset. But on two or three occasions last year, I saw Will Benson after, I think one of them was a 12-pitch at-bat. One of them might have been a 14-pitch at-bat or something. It was something insane. Draw a walk. I've never seen, and I brought this up to David Bell as well, and and he said it. This is he said it was a testament to to Will Benson's character and his approach at the plate. But I've never seen a young player be more excited drawing a walk. I remember that. Yeah, he, 
he bat flipped a walk as well as anyone. <laughs> you know, Joey, will, Joey will bat flip a he'll bat flip a walk, but that's Joey. You know, he that's that's what he's all about. He's about quality of bat. Here's this young player with a lot of power, a lot of pure athletic ability, and this guy is working a 12 pitch at bat to draw a walk, flipping his bat, pumping his fist the whole way down the first baseline. Things like that tell me that he won't have that that whole he might have a drop off because that's natural but there's there's a ton of ability in there and a ton of plate discipline in there with will benson that, that is unique for a young player like him yeah i completely agree ben do you want to add anything but the reds need that i'll, I'll tell you that the, if you ask one thing that the reds are missing and and in this day and age not all teams have it but do they really have – they don't have that one guy, that one masher in the middle of the lineup. It's yeah. kind of home runs by committee, right? It's RBIs by committee. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys contribute to that, including, you know, Will Benson. But um, they could use a they could use a consistent big power bat. I mean, he's got the ability to be that. But I don't want him to change his approach at the plate, though, and, and his see his strikeout numbers go up and things like that. But – yeah i i do think like you said i think it's it's fair to suspect that there'll be guys who drop off i don't know if a, you know is ops going down 60 points is yeah that's a ton that's a big drop off um, yeah. that's like so i i hope that's not the case but do i see him being that 255 265 guy sure yeah oh here he is <laughs> oh, <laughs> boss man is watching us. We're on a yes, we're, yeah, we're being we're supervised. On, we're, on watch. we're being yeah. supervised. <laughs> uh, but no, I I would agree. I I don't think that. I mean, those are big drop offs, man. I I think that we've talked about this on the show before. Um, Will Benson is a guy that that uh he he seemed to have really good at bats a lot of times in the season. So I, I, that big of a drop off for a guy that has some quality at bats and has had quality at bats. Um, And I don't, I don't know if it's because they think he's going to have more at bats this year that he's going to have the drop off. I'm not sure, but though, some of those, some of those numbers that you showed there are really huge. That's huge drop offs for him. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see that. Now, is there a chance he could have a little bit here and there? Like you all said, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's with anybody, any baseball player. Uh, Jeff brought up a good point. Baseball is a uh, is a grueling, grinding game. Like there's there's a possibility of that with any player, but but uh, Will Benson is a quality baseball player who who takes every at bat um, and takes advantage of every at bat. So I, I don't see those kind of drop offs. But you know, I, I think that I think he's he's going to have another good year. I think it's he also likely. had that lengthy, he had that long hitless streak, didn't he? And then he yeah. jumped into the stands down the third baseline to make a great catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is what is that what does that say about a young player who a lot of young guys would just be down on themselves? They mm-hmm. wouldn't be no interest in putting in the work defensively, that they're all their their minds consumed with how long can I just stay up here? Um, are they sending me down tomorrow? What, what's going on? And this guy's jumping mm-hmm. up into the stands on the third baseline to catch a foul ball. It's, you know, 
he's he's he, he's an impressive he's he's an impressive individual and he's got his head on straight and I think he'll put the work in. Um, but yeah, I, all of these guys that that we saw such great things from last year could have somewhat of a drop off. The, the key is consistency. That, yeah. That's where success success in baseball is measured over over those six months, um, which is why I always say baseball is just not it's not built for social media. It, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with the immediate gratification um, of, right. of this day of this day and age because baseball success isn't measured in days or even weeks. It's measured in months and it's measured in seasons. Um, so the key is to be successful. You're always going to have ebbs and flows, but what's your body of work at the end of the day? You know, what would your season look like? And if you have that consistency, you're going to be successful and you're going to, they're going to help your team. And I can see him being a pretty consistent player. Um, but how those numbers look at the end of the year, I don't know. Um, he could bat so many different places in the lineup too. Right. Yeah. That's a big thing too. So, yeah. I think, um, like I said, drop off, yes. 60 points, probably not. I suspect it's more likely he finds a hat that fits him next year than he has that big of a drop off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Yeah. So, a couple things before we, we wrap this up. And Jeff, you've been awesome, man. I'm so happy I got to have you on. Uh, I don't know why I waited so long to invite you, first off. That's my fault. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's, that's definitely yeah. your fault, man. Yeah. Jeff's All good. Fault. Have me so, back. Come back! Oh, please! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're so, gonna have a lot. To, we're gonna have a lot to talk about this season. I, I, I guess yeah. So, uh, so I want to bring up a couple of things, and this is just being being stupid and fun. So bear with me here. Um, so those who are nerds like Ben and I, who love the uh, one World Wrestling of Entertainment, saw that uh, one Dwayne the Rock Johnson made his triumphant return to be in the main event of WrestleMania this year. Which is bad. Are you going to ask but, me a wrestling question? Because I have <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm getting to I'm like, is that. Like, what wait I'm getting, a minute, uh... <laughs> bear with me. Bear with me. I've got this. I'm going to see if you guys agree that we should do this in all sports. We're like a 50 year old who hasn't had a big league at bat in 10 years. Can you imagine? It's like game seven of the World Series, runner in scoring position. It's two to two in the ninth. And is that Adam Dunn's music coming to the plate? <laughs> right? Are you intrigued? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how it'll go, but I, you, you got my attention. Of all the people you could have picked, right? You, you I thought you were going to say Ken Griffey Jr. or something. I'm like, that's too that nice. Ken Griffey Jr. is too on brand for me. We know this. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what? Right there. I'm like to see the kid to take a bat at 52 years old. Yeah, I'd pay to see that. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Yeah, he was just with the World Baseball Classic. He was the hitting coach in the team. Did you see that clip mm-hmm. last year where he's like in the cage and they're all just like kids again? Like, oh, dude, yeah, I'd yeah. be that exact way. I never, how did I his, wasn't. How did his swing look? It probably was spotless, unbelievable, just unbelievable. Like was. Yeah, yeah, I suspect that like King Griffey Jr.'s swing probably ages the way that like a Larry Bird three point shot does, it's just the same as it was then and still looks just yeah. as pretty. Um, so no, I wasn't going to ask you a wrestling question. I just thought that we should allow this in all sports. Like, can you imagine mm-hmm. if there's ever the day the Bulls were good again? And it's like, oh, it's 95, 93. There's two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And here comes Michael Jordan. Yeah. Take a, take the last shot. Yeah. See? That's entertaining. Yeah. 
Like, I, how, I old, how old was Satchel Page when he came? Right. No one knows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. I guess we didn't. We probably didn't even know. Yeah. But I guess he was supposed to be in his forties when he signed with the Indians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mid late forties. Yeah. Throwing like ninety six. Yeah, that's a fun one. It's like, oh, it's um, there's five to four in the bottom of the ninth, and they need to get these outs. And here comes Dennis Eckersley to pitch the ninth inning. Like. <laughs> All right, I'm tuned in. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Joey Votto could draw a walk at 50. Yeah, I agree. He could draw a walk at 50. No question. I agree. Um, Give him him 24 hours to study the pitcher, and he could draw a walk at 50. I heard a rumor, and I can't confirm this. Carlos will not confirm this, even though he's good friends with Joey. He won't tell me if it's true or not. But I guess there was a rumor that he had heat maps for umpires. Like he saw what their strike zone was that they called before games, so he knew what to prepare for in the box. Oh, I would. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know if that's true, but I would be surprised if it's not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I would bet money that he would study all the umpires. He's going. Oh, no doubt. And and I wouldn't think he's the only player that does that either. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot too. And I'm yeah, I'm sure there's there's books on. <laughs> there's a there's a book on everything. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm excited for the day that someone's got to write a. He's got to write a book, right? He's too interesting to not have an autobiography. Mm, interesting, yeah, yeah. He's just too fascinating to not have one. So I don't know. Chad, Chad's written books. Maybe Chad. I know you're probably still in the chat. Can you and Joey combine for to be like his autobiography? You can be his ghostwriter. I think you need to do that and get everyone that works really hard on the Riverfront Network for you a copy. No big deal. Um. But my last question before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you about it. And I, I've talked to you about this before. Uh, so this is something, but you know, I've, I've told you about my huge, my biggest dream to do is like a lifelong series podcast, three or four episodes about the Griffey trade. Mm. And I yeah. really want to do something just going into how everything came together, how it worked. But, and I've asked you to be a part of it at some point. Like if I ever do this, would you do it? Which I very appreciate you did tell me yes. Um, but I wanted to ask you about, what do you remember from that? Because like you said, young reporter, you know, at the point, he's one of the three best players in the world, the best player in the American League at that point for years at that point. Um, what do you kind of remember about the energy during that time? Um, I remember I remember the rumors that have been out there for for quite some time. Um, and in the days leading up to it, they they intensified. So. I'm a young reporter just trying to ask anybody who who might know, is this coming? When's it we kind of knew it was coming, but we didn't we weren't sure when. Um, I remember what I remember most from that day, and I was living in in OTR at the time, so I, I walked to the stadium for games. And I remember that day it was kind of rainy and dreary, and I was sick as a dog. Like I was totally on my back sick that day. And I kept thinking, okay, don't make the trade today. Don't make the trade today. And then (laughs) the press release comes across. So I pack up my stuff and I walk down to, uh, to the stadium. No, we didn't have a streetcar then. I walked down to the stadium and we're in the Crosley room and it's like 120 degrees in there. And there's not room for one other individual packed into that room. I'm literally, there wasn't a chair. I was literally on one knee and holding my recorder up to re- record the, the comments. Um, 
And I won't, I've said in the years since, like I won't be a hypocrite and say, I, you know, I, I knew this wasn't going to work out. Come on. You know, you're adding, you're adding the greatest player of, of our lifetime to a team that won 96 games the previous right. year um, with all of that young talent around them. Um, but in hindsight, I see now what Jack McKeon saw, which was that this club had other needs and Mike Cameron was a huge loss huge loss for that team um and that doesn't that's nothing against griffey the injuries weren't his fault yeah. at all um i get the the point that well he played in seattle he was playing on turf should have seen it coming at his age he's gonna break down you don't know that you, you don't know that and a healthy King Griffey Jr. was still an amazing player, and he would have been an amazing player for the Reds, and he would have helped them help them win games. But overall, that that club needed pitching. They they there were things that they needed. And it was that was the beginning of the end for Jack McKeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what nine straight losing seasons or something in that stretch. It just it just didn't work out. Um, I enjoyed being around junior as, as difficult as he was when the camera lights and the recorders were on when they were off and you were just with him in the clubhouse talking baseball in general terms or just talking about his family one of my favorite people i've ever been around in my 30 years doing this um but it just it, it just it didn't work out and it was another jim bowden looking for the shiny toy, you know, what, what's, what's, what's the shine, the bright, shiny object I can get. Um, what's going to make me a hero in this town? Well, it's going to be bringing King Griffey Jr. back home. Well, that's not the way that, yeah, it's not the way you run a baseball team. You know, you make, you make smart calculated decisions based on what your team needs. Um, and as great as junior was, it's really not what they needed at that time. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate. Because that's a team that should have won a championship, and and it was really yeah. somewhat unlucky that they didn't win in '99. Um, my wife still hates Al Ryder. She, she didn't even know who he was before that one game playoff when he showed him out. But uh, but yeah, um, could go on and on, kind of dissecting the Griffey trade. But but yeah, that day I remember. I remember like it was yesterday, just because of how I felt in the hot Crosley room, and I remember the comments from a lot of the people that spoke. Um, I think Bowden might've made a comment or maybe it was Carl Lindner who had, who had a handwritten piece <laughs> of note pat- paper, like on the podium that he was reading and it still took him forever to kind of get through it. God bless him. But, um, but I think Bowden might've made the comment. We brought baseball back to Cincinnati or something. Oh boy. Something along those lines. And that kind of hit some people wrong because they're like, look, we, we won 96 games last year and baseball never left Cincinnati, mm. you know? So it was, um, I think, I mean, he was around for a little longer, but I think it was the beginning of the end for Jim Bowden too, the way that worked yeah. out. But that day, that day, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't have a ticker tape parade in town as happy as everyone was. So mm-hmm. yeah. I tell the story all the time. So respectfully i was only 10 years old 
Um, and I was in school in Bellevue uh, at uh, the elementary school. And where we, my parents' house was, was right on the corner from where I was in school. And our gym teacher was like, hey, the Reds just traded for Griffey. At this point, I didn't know about the rumors and how to get all that stuff at the time. And I was like, no way. You're crazy. This, no, this, uh, so I ran home, turned on SportsCenter. And that was back in the day when SportsCenter had the graphics where the player's head would pop up in the corner of the screen. Mm-hmm. And it was Griffey in a Reds hat. And I was like, you know, 10-year-old me, like, crying, like, oh, my God, calling my mom at her work, like, did you see this? And so it's one of my favorite days of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's something, like, I'll just never let go of, like, even though, like you said, it did not go the way it was supposed to. My hero coming to play for my favorite team. Um, and then my favorite football player of all time was is Deion Sanders. And mm-hmm. uh, in 2001, mm-hmm. I almost saw them playing the same outfield together. But when Griffey came back was when Deion got released. So, mm-hmm. Well, and, and Griffey will always have the Josh Fogg story. Do you remember that, Tim? I he don't. He, he made a bet. I think it, it was a sporting event bet or it was some, I don't know, horse. I don't know what it was, but some sort of a bet with Josh Fogg and uh, he he lost. So he paid Fogg. It, apparently it was a considerable amount, but he paid him in pennies. I did know this. Okay. Yeah, I did. When we came into the clubhouse the next day, there was a stack of boxes of rolled pennies that that went from the bottom of Fogg's locker all the way up to the top. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it had to be that it was that it was thousands of dollars in pennies that were stacked in Josh. He had a great personality, but yeah. So, uh, shout out Red Lake Roundtable again. Um, Seth just had Scott Hatterberg on. And was Scott was awesome, and I, I promise I am wrapping up soon. I just you just you, you yeah, telling this story just made me want to bring this up. Um, I can talk baseball forever, so just keep going. I know, but Curb Your Enthusiasm came back tonight, and I think if I don't watch it, my wife's gonna kill oh. me. Ah, oh, got it. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've got DVR for a reason. Um, but so Seth asked Hatterberg, like, what was playing with Griffey like? Because you know he's a Hatterberg's a Pacific Northwest kid, so obviously. He looks at Griffey the same way I do. Just like he walked on water and uh, he was the great, he, you know, he floated when he walked in a room. Um, and he said that he was like, like he said, he was like the coolest guy. He's like, anytime we were on the road, he always wanted to go to Benny Hanna's. Like he loved Benny Hanna's. <laughs> <laughs> it talks about how they couldn't just go see a movie or anything just because of how big of a star he was. Like everything had to be like they had to call ahead and like rent out a movie theater and all these things. And I just got to think like, and you know, Jeff, like you said, doing what we do on the basketball side, obviously being so lucky, my favorite basketball player ever is Penny Hardaway. I get to be at a press conference with him. And that was like, okay, I can handle my emotions and do this job. Um, that would probably be the one where I'd have a hard time handling my emotions. So the fact that you did it, I'm very impressed. Yeah, it's um, I've, I've been in that situation before but it's uh yeah when you're do when you're doing the job it's uh it's easier i get asked that question a lot how do you i do too yeah how do you handle like interviewing a player that you grew up and, and th- you always have those moments you know um but when you're doing the job you're so focused on you're if you're covering a team that you're a fan of it honestly doesn't you don't even think about it because you're so focused on deadline. You're focused on making sure your details are right, you know? Um, So, yeah, but, but it is, it is still cool. I, yeah, we could do a whole show on cool moments like that. So, 
my first Xavier game was the year they were the one seed, and it was Georgetown. So my first game is Patrick Ewing. And hmm. I was like, oh, this is different. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely neat. Uh, well, yeah. Jeff, like you said, man, I could literally talk baseball with you all the time, all day. This was so cool. I'm so glad we finally had you on. I promise I won't wait four years to do it again. Um, <laughs> but before we do get out of here, for those of you who do want to follow your work, whether it's college basketball or talk soccer with you, Sorry, Chad. I had to bring up the soccer portion. Um, how can our lovely listeners find Jeff Wolner? You can follow me on 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 X slash Twitter. Still weird to Jeff. say, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wolner. And then on the Twitter page is linked to my Facebook page where I link all of my stories. And then you can find my my Instagram. So or you can just Google me. Um, it's a nice thing about writing about a writing for AP is that your stories are everywhere, easy to find. Um, so right now you'll see the occasional college basketball story, but very soon it'll be opening day. So, also I will mention this about Jeff for those who follow him uh, more than sports. Jeff has awesome, awesome taste in music, and is a really good guy to talk about concerts with. So. You can get a lot of really good stuff from that as well. But awesome. I, well, you know me, I'd rather talk music than sports, honestly. I know so you would, yeah. If anybody wants to hop on my Twitter and talk music, let's go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Late Night Reds here on the Riverfront. Don't forget, since next Sunday is obviously Super Bowl Sunday, we will not ruin our show by going head-to-head with that. Uh, we're going to take next week to kind of hang out, refresh, and get ready for spring training um, like the guys do. So. Be sure to have us marked for, uh, that would be February 18th for our comeback for that. Uh, we'll be excited to do that as well. But on behalf of Ben, on behalf of everyone at the Riverfront, this is Tim Daniel. Have a great night. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Take care, guys. Thanks. See you guys.